story ten of christmas stories from french and spanish writers by antoinette ogden this librivox recording is in the public domain story ten the yule log from the french of jules simon yesterday was my birthday a number of friends who have never seen me wrote to congratulate me upon having reached the age of eighty they are mistaken i am not as old as all that i can readily understand that a few years more or less make very little difference to them but they certainly make all the difference in the world to me i am still far from the dignity of an octogenarian yet i confess that i am very old and at my age one likes to recall one's early childhood it is a very well-known fact that old people it seems that i am old which makes me furious and i really believe that i should scarcely realize it if people did not take particular pains out of pure kindness of course to remind me of it every moment it is a well-known fact i say that old people recall the first scenes of their life with marvellous accuracy i have often heard chevreul speak of having been present at the place de la revolution at the very moment when louis sixteen was executed his nurse had carried him there the wretch he neither saw nor understood anything but he remembered the words of a garde nationale who scolded the woman for having brought a child to such a place he delivered there and then a perfect sermon on the subject he used to say and i remember every word of it but let us not speak of tragedies i want to take you with me to brittany not without having first warned you against myself however you must not take me too literally when i describe the customs of that country my descriptions are absolutely faithful but they represent brittany as it was from eighteen fifteen to eighteen thirty i went back there this summer after an absence of half a century and i recognized nothing but the scenery the men are all civilized and far more parisian than i in order to reclassify them i should have been compelled to drive them back to their national dress that they so foolishly gave up i will take you back therefore to the year eighteen twenty two and you will not doubt it for an instant if you could follow me into my father's study the walls were papered with republican money he had obtained it in exchange for cash and when it turned out to be as worthless as waste paper he determined that it should be of some use to him anyway i fancy that its usefulness consisted in reminding him of the fragility of human beings the walls were also decorated with portraits of the royal family from the king down to monsieur de villele all tacked on with pins but these portraits were not to be relied upon for when they were turned upside down they represented by some ingenious combination the ogre of corsica the king of rome and the empress marie louise they were suited to all tastes and all opinions this extraordinary study was situated on the first floor for our house had a first floor differing thus from the other houses of the borough which had nothing but a ground floor it also had a slate roof which filled me with legitimate pride it looked out upon the street which circled the graveyard and i will say at once to be sincere that there was no other street in st jean brevelet this view and this neighbourhood will not strike you with your modern ideas as very attractive but in brittany we like graveyards 
i might even say that we like sadness and then in this graveyard stood the church an imposing church i can assure you with a vault upon which hell was faithfully represented on one side and heaven on the other near our window there was also a great fir which was worth a whole forest in itself and which sheltered a formidable number of crows if however in spite of this double attraction one found no pleasure in contemplating the view from that side we had another facade to resort to a facade opening upon an immense and magnificent garden there you might have looked down upon a patch of cabbage a patch of french beans of peas of carrots and of potatoes we had flowers too so many flowers so many vegetables and so much fruit that we made gratuitous distributions of them every sunday besides our apple trees the branches of which bent under the weight of the fruit we had pear trees cherry trees and plum trees my father who had travelled considerably particularly through the south prided himself upon his enterprising spirit every year when the plums had been picked he collected them in great piles from these piles the best were chosen put upon a species of riddles and the riddles were laid in the sun this was with a view to making prunes the plums rotted in a few days the birds and other animals ate them and soon there was nothing left but the stones these were then thrown into the street where we used to pick them up in order to make piles and stick a little flag in the top the next year my father proceeded to make prunes in exactly the same manner we were very proud of our rose bushes which furnished roses for the altars and of our apple trees from which we obtained a most excellent cider we had our wine press our kneading trough our oven and our laundering basins we had pastures for our cows wheat fields fields of buckwheat and of rye we sowed just enough to supply our wants there was no mill in our village so we were compelled to send our grain to pont des couvrants when it was ground it was brought back and made into very good rye bread for our daily use we also made a great loaf of wheat bread once a week which we used for the soup every morning my father started out gun on shoulder for in those days there were no rural constables nor gendarmes the gendarmes were in Plumelec, and one could hunt all the year round he came in at noon for dinner and at six o'clock for supper my greatest delight consisted in running to meet him and looking into his game-bag i never found any game in it but it often contained a big trout or some fine eels we eventually discovered that the hunt was a mere pretext and that his real passion was fishing he was extremely taciturn as all of his children have been after him and i believe that to be one of the essential qualities of an angler during dinner he never breathed a word in the evening at supper he described the events of the day when he had been lucky we took our meals in the kitchen which was vast and cleanly there were twenty of us at table and sometimes more owing to the legendary breton hospitality the table formed a long rectangle my mother occupied one end of it with my sisters and myself my father sat at the other end alone while the two long sides were reserved for the servants these were no less than twelve in number the gardener the ploughman the shepherd the stable-boy and the maid-servants 
this will no doubt give you the impression of the household of a wealthy farmer or a country gentleman not at all in the beautiful borough of st jean brevelay there was neither butcher baker nor grocer the only merchants that i ever saw there were a mercer and a tavern keeper one was compelled to send to vannes seven leagues away for everything or else live like robinson crusoe on his island i have learned since that the ploughman who was our first man earned only thirty francs a year i leave you to judge of the rest it was a poor country and one could enjoy all the comforts which it afforded with an income of twelve hundred francs a year one of our chief pleasures consisted in the care of our garden my mother had a little bed in which roses tulips pansies and daisies grew in abundance she was particularly fond of mignonette and honeysuckle the hedge around our kitchen garden was covered with honeysuckle elder and a whole family of sweet-smelling creepers over which our bees hovered and buzzed there was seldom a day when we did not walk around the garden once and that was quite a journey we had another habit which i do not understand as well and which consisted in walking around colas field every day after dinner that is at one o'clock we first went down a hollow road where the mud was not wanting when it had rained the flowers were not wanting there either in summer we walked under a real vault of them this road led to the blacksmith shop where i always found something to admire the great bellows the incandescent iron the sparks flying from the furnace like joyous fireworks next to the blacksmith shop stood marion's house the last house at the end of the village marion was a girl of twenty who had lost her mother when she was eighteen everybody had advised her to go into service but she had preferred to engage herself to my mother as a seamstress by the year her house marion's house as it was always spoken of belonged to her it was not a great dowry it consisted of two rooms under a thatched roof and a little yard where she raised her chickens she had been warned against the dangers of living alone at her age and in a comparatively isolated place but she was a fearless girl and somewhat unsociable she had discovered i do not know where in one of the neighbouring farms perhaps a widow who was only too happy to occupy one of her rooms gratuitously and who was a companion and a protection to her when she came home after her day's work colas field began at marion's door it was surely not what one would call beautiful we walked straight before us and got back to our starting-point at the end of an hour without having seen anything but apple-trees and furrows on sunday when this task had been accomplished we found marion in her yard among her chickens waiting to go to vespers with us i always took her hand and she told me stories of poul piquets i led a joyful life my mother too seemed happy her chief occupation lay in nursing the sick and her heaviest expense in providing them with broth and drugs the latter were sent for to the druggists at bignon i had never seen a doctor until i went to lorient to enter school whenever she had a perplexing case she called my father into consultation as he had been a soldier nothing surprised him his method was to bleed he one day undertook to vaccinate the entire population and succeeded in doing so by offering five cents to all those who consented to honour him with their trust 
this philanthropic operation must have made a great hole in the household budget we had a library which contained fully twenty volumes my sisters spent their time in taking them from my mother's room and my mother in taking them from their hands there were selina or the child of mystery and of love alexis or the wooden cottage the helmet and the square cap or both suited him we also had the evenings at the chateau by madame de genlis the yellow tales and robinson crusoe i was of course not permitted to touch the novels i was allowed robinson crusoe the yellow tales and the evenings at the chateau of which permission i availed myself eagerly for i was ever a great reader robinson crusoe particularly delighted me and i read it three or four times a year i had also a tender feeling for zelina which i only half understood in the first place it represented the forbidden fruit and in the next place it had pictures i never got to the denouement because my mother seeing that i was incorrigible resolved to burn the cuerpo del delito if i add that in rummaging through the closets and wardrobes i had found l'esprit des lois and an odd volume of the political and philosophical history of the two indies and that i read them you will no doubt believe that i am trying to make myself out an infant prodigy it was quite the reverse for i preferred the abbe royal to montesquieu and what i was most charmed with in the abbe royal was some absurd rant about a mistress called kachinka whom he had lost and who in some remarkable way formed a part of the philosophical history of the two indies this strange library produced a veritable chaos in my poor little brain over which floated robinson it was the genuine robinson too a translation of the work of daniel defoe which as every one knows contains as many sermons as it does events but what i liked better than robinson better than selina better than my garden better than the eternal walks around the colas field was the church service on religious holidays the pompous grandeur of its ceremonies yes the pompous grandeur i will not retract since then i have seen st peter's the cathedrals of cologne and toledo and i believe all the finest churches in the world yet i never attended service anywhere without recalling the poor little church of st jean brevelet the difference between the palace of a king and the thatched cottage of a peasant is far greater than that between the august basilica and the poor little tottering chapel of a breton village may the artist forgive me but a church however poor and small is none the less a church four bare walls a wooden cross upon a table windows so covered with dust that they scarcely let the light in all these things speak to the soul of meditation and of prayer i do not know what the population of st jean brevelet was it could not have been over two hundred but on sunday the people came to high mass from the four corners of the parish which was vast and populous the farmhouses and thatched cottages all emptied themselves at the first glow of dawn you could see the families making their way to the borough along every known road the men leading the way in silence the women following in noisy talk among themselves they at first scattered through the graveyard every family stopping to say a prayer at the family tomb 
then the friends and relatives came together in groups and the men made more than one escape to the tavern at the last call for high mass they all rushed to the church doors pushing jostling crowding one another until the building was filled from end to end the graveyard i might say the borough was now a perfect desert the men standing and pressed close together occupied all the front part of the nave the women kneeling filled the rear all without exception took part in the singing the common serpent was unknown to us but with our voices alone we managed to make a formidable noise the people were happy to be there not because as voltaire says high mass is the opera of the poor but because as the christian church says religion is the consolation of the afflicted the rector delivered his sermons in low breton and they were never anything but a paraphrase of this word of the gospel love one another and surely they loved one another those uncultured folk they did not know how to read but they knew how to love they understood gratitude too my mother was almost an object of worship the great festival of the year after that of st louis was christmas the king first and god next such is the order of precedence under all governments it is possible that our poor peasants would have reversed that order had they been able to do so i must say in order not to give them more praise than they deserve that what they liked best about christmas was the midnight mass a sorry enjoyment for you city-bred people who are fond of your comforts but what is a sleepless night to a peasant even when they had to plod along through the mud or the snow not an old man not a woman hesitated umbrellas were then unknown at st jean brevelay or at least ours was the only one that had ever been seen there and it was naturally the object of much surprise and admiration the women caught up their skirts with pins threw a plaid kerchief over their headdresses and started out bravely for the parish church in their wooden shoes sleep forsooth who could have slept even had he wanted to the chimes began the night before immediately after the evening angelus and were repeated every half hour until midnight the hunters in order to contribute to the general beatitude kept up a steady firing my father furnished the powder it was a universal and deafening clamour the small boys took part in it too at the risk of maiming themselves whenever they could lay their hands on a gun or a pistol the vicarage was a short half-league from the borough the rector came over on his nag which the quinquists the beadle led by the bridle a dozen peasants escorted him firing their pistols in his ears all the while but this did not disturb him in the least for he was an old chouan with the death of many a blue on his conscience withal the kindest and most compassionate of men since the king had returned and he had become a priest on that night great preparations were made at home telin charles and le Alucco measured the fireplace and the kitchen door with as much earnestness and importance as though they had not known their dimensions by heart for many years the question was to bring in the yule log and to have it as large as possible a great tree was felled for the purpose four oxen were harnessed and the log was dragged to the house it took eight or ten men to lift it and to carry it in it would scarcely fit in the fireplace 
then it was adorned with garlands it was propped and stayed by the trunks of the young trees and an enormous bunch of wild flowers or rather of live plants was placed on top of it the long table was removed from the kitchen we took our light meal standing the walls were hung with white tablecloths and sheets just as they were at corpus christi and upon them were penned numerous drawings done by my sister louise and my sister hermine the virgin the christ child etc there were inscriptions too et homo factus est all the chairs were removed to make as much room as possible for our visitors who were not accustomed to sitting on anything better than their heels one chair was left for my mother and one for my aunt gabrielle who was treated with much deference on account of her eighty-six years she was the one my children for stories of the terror everybody around me knew many such stories for that matter my father particularly if he had only chosen to speak he had been a blue and his obstinate silence was no doubt due to the prudence in a part of the country that was so full of chouan the confusion was such in the kitchen with everybody wanting to be useful to carry in branches of fir of broom and of holly the noise was so deafening on account of the hammering of nails and the rattling of pots and kettles and then there came such a clamour from without ringing of bells firing of guns songs conversations and clatter of wooden shoes that it seemed like the din of a fair day at the very climax of its animation at half-past eleven the cry the rector the rector resounded all along the street it was taken up in the kitchen and all the men started out immediately the women alone remained with the family when the rector reached our door there was a moment of profound silence he dismounted it was i who had the honour of holding his nag by the bridle that is i was supposed to do so but somebody else always did it for me heaven knows there was no need of holding the poor beast anyway monsieur Moisin walked up three steps to the landing turned toward the crowd that stood below him hat in hand removed his own hat and said after making the sign of the cross angelus domini nuntiavit mariae a thousand voices responded when the prayer was over he entered the house spoke cordially to my father and mother to monsieur ozon the mayor who had just arrived from panic pichot and to monsieur oyeux the blacksmith who was also the justice's clerk then he proceeded to the benediction of the yule log my father and mother stood on the left-hand side of the hearth those women whom their importance or their intimate terms with the family permitted to remain in the sanctuary which in this case means the kitchen knelt in a semicircle around the hearth the men were crowded together in the hall the door of which was left open and they overflowed into the street as far as the graveyard every now and then a woman who had been detained by some domestic care cleft the crowd and came forward to where the others were kneeling aunt gabrielle arrayed in her mantle which always bespoke a solemn occasion knelt in the middle of the semicircle directly in front of the yule log with a holy water basin and a branch of box beside her she started a hymn which all the assistants repeated in chorus i have forgotten the words of that hymn and i really regret it 
the air was monotonous and plaintive like all those that were sung at our firesides however it contained a crescendo at the moment of the benediction which generally sent a shiver through me producing what is commonly known as goose flesh aunt gabrielle had just reached that part of the hymn on the twenty fifth of december eighteen twenty two when i became aware of a strange confusion among the male voices outside the women either stopped singing entirely or sang out of time and tune the voices chased after one another scarcely sustained themselves and seemed stifled by a sudden emotion my mother's hand which held mine trembled for a moment then grew firm by a great effort of her will her voice rose soared above the voices of the others who realizing at once that they had wandered inopportunely hurried back to the fold and so the hymn ended in good order after this surprising interruption what had happened something very simple indeed a young woman had made her way through the crowd had entered the kitchen and apparently anxious to remain unnoticed had fallen on her knees at a little distance from the others and buried her face in her hands i recognized her at once it was marian my favourite the best seamstress on the place and the prettiest girl in the borough i would surely have run forward to kiss her but for the solemnity of the occasion which forbade my leaving my place or making a noise she was weeping bitterly why are you weeping my sweet marian i was wild to have the ceremony in that i might find out from her all the other girls seemed embarrassed my mother alone whom i looked full in the face appeared calm but her face lied i knew it by the trembling of her hand after the benediction of the yule log it was the custom for all the women present to kiss my mother before proceeding to the church they came up in good order one after another and in spite of their number which amounted to some thirty or forty this formality only required a few minutes i think that my mother yielded to it rather in spite of herself for she was an extremely reserved woman but all these kind souls would have believed that the laws of the universe had been reversed if this part of the ceremony had been left out as mistress of ceremonies and on account of her great age aunt gabrielle opened the march now aunt gabrielle was a character she was the living repertory of folk-songs legends and customs people came from everywhere to consult her when they wanted to know how such and such a thing should be done perhaps you believe that etiquette is peculiar to palaces most assuredly not in my day a wedding had more than a thousand equally important formalities my good aunt who was the oracle of these forms had never made use of them for herself she was an old maid born at belle isle en mer under louis fifteen and was a distant cousin of ours we have relationships in brittany which can be expressed in no language they are so remote my father who never thought of himself until everybody else had been provided for had brought out a whole tribe of poor relatives with him to st jean brevillet i think however that aunt gabrielle was an exception she gave more than she received she was our cook i beg you to believe and a most excellent one too she was active laborious always equal to the expedients of her profession always bright and contented full of delicate attentions for everybody particularly for marguerite my mother her best beloved 
but my good mother was everybody's best beloved i have never in my life known a woman to be so universally cherished aunt gabrielle had only two faults she spoiled children horribly and she gave the poor whatever she could lay her hands on it often happened that after a too liberal distribution of supplies among her beggars she would set before us at dinner a dish so ridiculously out of proportion to the requirements of our appetites that she would herself burst into a laugh as she looked at it we all joined in the laugh which seemed to make us forget how hungry we were she was the factotum of the house and was just as exacting and despotic as she was kind on that night she was greatly excited and when she came up to kiss my mother instead of holding her in her arms as she was in the habit of doing she whispered something to her with an expression of importance and anger calm yourself gabrielle calm yourself my mother said to her several times and i felt her hand tremble no my dear i cannot help it and if you do not choose to do it i will do it myself you will do nothing of the sort said my mother and you will remember that i am the mistress in my own house she pushed her gently that the others might move along but aunt gabrielle joined the women who were going out several of whom stopped to speak to her they were all making gestures of indignation as they looked at poor marian who had withdrawn into the darkest corner of the hall and there stood with her head down and her face turned away from them finally they seemed to have taken a resolution and they moved toward her as though to drive her away but they were stopped by these few words uttered in a low tone and at which all the conversation ceased at once come to me marian marian started as though she meant to spring forward but she checked herself and crossed the room slowly with hesitating steps my mother kissed her on both cheeks just as she had kissed the others i realized that she was performing what she considered a duty and that she too greatly disapproved of my poor friend gabrielle held up her arms in horror do not dare to come to work to-morrow she cried aloud for you will never work for us again i discharge you do you understand she understood but too well it was as though she had just heard her death sentence there was no house but ours where she could find work as a seamstress and to discharge her was like condemning her to starvation my mother's voice was heard again low but full of gentle firmness to-morrow marian's work will be taken to her at her own house i will not be the one to take it cried aunt gabrielle whose words produced a murmur of approbation then i will take it myself said my mother if i can find no one to obey me marian had disappeared there were only a few women left their cheeks were aglow with anger the rosin candles had been put out the room was lighted by the yule log only which blazed in the fireplace let us go and pray god said my mother slipping her arm through that of gabrielle who protested and submitted at the same time and kissed my mother fully ten times before we reached the church the church was dazzling for the simple reason that as there was no way of lighting it no lamps of any description every faithful was requested to bring a light with him there were surely a thousand persons in the building which represented a thousand lights 
i will confess that there were neither lamps nor tapers nor even vulgar tallow candles they were mere wax lighters which singly you may despise as you please but which multiplied thus formed a luminous floor under the dark vault when you looked down it was joyous dazzling and when you looked up it was appalling the altar fairly glittered all of our candles figured there in addition to those which belonged to the church there was just room enough between the lights for the chalice and the missal the rector was arrayed in fine scarlet chasuble a bit worn and faded which had survived the revolution the mayor occupied the seat of honour wearing the dress of the breton peasant blue vest embroidered in red and yellow silk with a splendid sun in the middle of the back beside him sat the deputy mayor m adlis the miller of kerdrogan and both wore white silk sashes which covered their breasts and stomachs the blacksmith was there too in his quality of justice's clerk wearing the black gown and cap of the magistracy m de la Gourblay, the justice and chevalier of st louis had been detained in his chateau of carignac by the gout but we had a corporal of gendarmerie opposite the altar and two gendarmes on either side with yellow shoulder belts Primelec, where they lived would have gladly enough kept them at home on such an occasion but st jean brevelet was the chief town of the canton at the appearance of the celebrant the corporal cried out gendarmes hands to your sabres whereupon the music consisting of a fife and a drum filled the church that was the supreme moment of my life i conquered sleep so as not to miss it i thought of it through the whole year you will not wonder therefore when i tell you that i forgot all about marion from midnight until about two o'clock everything was over by two o'clock the fife and drum had escorted the priest to the rectory the quinquis had put out the lights on the altar and as all the faithful had blown upon their meagre luminaries the church was completely dark in a few moments it was deserted and not a sound was to be heard save that of the swaying pendulum on the other hand the graveyard was crowded if it happened to be raining or snowing too hard the people took refuge in the houses but they gave this proof of weakness only when they could no longer hold out the taverns were overflowing with customers some people stood a little table out at their door and upon it they placed a loaf a cervelles and numerous bottles of cider thus defrauding in connivance with the authority the tax on consumable commodities at three o'clock the bells rang for the mass of the aurora after the ceremony our people came for us and awaited us at the church door with a huge red cotton umbrella which did us as much honour as the same utensil does a roman cardinal we were also provided with an extra pair of wooden shoes half filled with warm ashes we hastened home exchanging courtesies with all but stopping with no one for there was a christmas supper in our kitchen a supper to which all our friends were invited and besides them all the servants who had been present at the blessing of the yule log during midnight mass the great kitchen table had been replaced by boards laid as evenly as possible upon props these were covered by a cloth of dazzling whiteness the pride of my poor mother who used to bleach it on the grass of our meadow 
on this occasion we had candles on the table real candles of seven to the pound which were sent for a week beforehand to vaughan we considered our menu decidedly sumptuous we had buckwheat pancakes accompanied by numerous pots of cider and the most delicious butter after that we were helped to a porringer of the very worst chocolate that was ever manufactured by a country grocer we tried to convince ourselves that this course was excellent it had to be served on that day and to be drunk and to be praised but then we had the pleasure of feeling that we should not be called upon to repeat the sacrifice for a year we also had a home-cured ham and rye bread everybody stood up during the benedicite then those who found room on the benches sat down the others helped themselves over the heads of these privileged ones and took their share out into the street with them the assailants succeeded one another until the table was cleared everybody was cheerful and contented there was never a man who forgot himself these peasants who had had no breeding were by nature well bred then they all loved one another in that country of poor people and above all may i be allowed to say it the thought is so pleasing to me in my old age they all loved us i never remained until the end i merely stepped in to get a peep at the beautiful celebration and to fill my eyes and my imagination with it on the night to which i refer i managed to stay down longer than usual i looked for marion everywhere there were others too who were looking for her my mother's conduct had been criticised and rather disapproved of for those were simple folk virtuous themselves and pitiless to others if marion had been brutally discharged they would have applauded now they believed her to be forgiven and they felt her forgiveness to be in a measure an encouragement to vice aunt gabrielle had found time to speak to the rector to excuse marguerite she said but without realizing it she had merely expressed her disapprobation i not only remember all these details after sixty-five years but i remember the room in which the scene took place i can even evoke the faces and the attitudes the saintly protectress somewhat moved but very resolute the rector restless and anxious gabrielle and her confederates pitiless in their censure although not a word had been uttered in my presence concerning the nature of marion's fault i had understood it all thanks to selina no doubt it is useless to state which side my heart was on the priest was anxious above all things to preserve in our parish those rigid customs for which we were famed a moral plague must be treated just like a physical plague with heroic remedies said he we must be charitable said my mother our god is a god of charity the priest was of the opinion that the sinner should not under any consideration be allowed to come back to the house and work among the maidservants why of course not i never thought of such a thing said my mother in that sweet voice of hers that reached one's soul we must make this an example a warning for our girls i will see to that never fear i am just as anxious about it as you are she will live alone with her child i will not care to crush her under the weight of a public anathema nor would i be so inexorable as to condemn her to mendicity or debauch that is all i said to my poor gabrielle who is so ungovernable to-night 
she added smiling that i would take her work myself if i found nobody to obey me but that is not exactly what i meant what i meant was this i will go to her myself i will go every day i will assume or rather encroach upon your rights i will exhort i will preach to her i will make her see that she is among sisters whom her conduct has grieved but among sisters nevertheless she said all this with kindness simplicity and firmness the priest lifted his broad-brimmed hat from his head i uncover my white hair before you madame said he in a loud voice and i pray god to bless the task that you have undertaken for his sake my children marion will come back and work among you when she has made atonement for her fault until then i leave her entirely in your mistress's hands if she does not lead her back to the path of virtue we priests will have to give it up our latin will not help us out of it this very mild pleasantry excited much admiration as everything did that fell from those venerable lips for my part i was delighted having a confused impression that we had gained a great victory and i ran off to bed after having kissed my mother with unusual tenderness End of story 10